When you're an American Express Platinum Card member, don't be surprised if you say things like, Chef, what course are we on? I've, I've lost count. Or, shoot that, shoot that! And even, checkout's not until 4, so... Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants, elevated experiences at live events, and 4 p.m. late checkout at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. Angie's list is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is. And it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. Welcome to the ID10T podcast number 1102. Let's talk about the ID10T shop for a second. ID10T.com. Big 40% off sale off everything in the shop up through Black Friday, uh, of course, the day after Thanksgiving. And so 40% off now uh, for all that stuff. And then at the weekend, the week after that, we start rolling in the holiday gear. So uh, go to ID10T.com. We have cool stuff. We're adding more all the time. And join our email list. It is not, we will not email you all the time. Um, but, uh, every so often just to keep you informed of things, podcast episodes, sales, interesting things that we found. I really want to curate just like unique stuff. That's why I love vintage items. And, you know, I might start putting like animation cells and things like that in there too. So it's, it's really, I'm really kind of, I want to build this like shop of curiosities and oddities. So, uh, yeah, that's ID10T.com. Go check that out. But let's talk about the ID10T community right now. Events at ID10T.com for your thing. But this week, I want to talk about a friend of the podcast, my friend Drew Scott, who is a property brother. He is one half of the property brothers, which I believe is responsible for most of the programming on HGTV. But um, Drew and his wife, Linda, who is also just wonderful. I, I love them both. So I love, I love the whole Scott family. But, uh, but Drew and Linda have this really great podcast called At Home. I did it a while ago. And then he and Linda came on and Lydia came on on this podcast. Uh, and we talked about it some more. But, you know, whereas like the HGTV stuff, it really just kind of focuses on getting people into their homes. But Drew and Linda do the show from their home. They are literally at home. And it's just about the ins and outs of what happens like once you're in your home and how to make it happy and healthy. And it's like relationship advice and eating healthier and how to make the planet better and just uh, all these kind of like, it's just more of a holistic approach. And uh, I adore them both. So I wanted to give it a plug, uh, give it a mention on our podcast, uh, how to make your house a home. Um, At Home is the name of the podcast. It is at home on Apple, uh, all of the social media is just slash at home, A-T-H-O-M-E, at home. So go check it out. Drew and Linda, um, like I said, we absolutely adore them and just just the sweetest, 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 sweetest folks. So um, thank you to Drew and Linda for having me on your show and I hope people uh, go listen. This episode is Nick Frost, who is one of the funniest people alive. Of course, you know, you know Nick Frost. Nick's been on the podcast before, by the way, two or three times, I think. But, uh, you know, the Cornetto trilogy films and all the amazing things he's done, Shaun of the Dead. And, and I mean, he's just, he makes me laugh so hard. This podcast was so fun. The only thing that would have made it better is if he was in, he, he's here in person, which is not a thing that we can do right now. But someday I would love for him to come back in person because he's just a fun guy to be around. Uh, but he's promoting... Uh, Truth Seekers, which is a really great like ghost hunting comedy that he uh, it's on Amazon right now. He and Simon Pegg and a fellow named James Serafinowicz wrote it, and um, it's great. Lydia and I watched it. They're all like half hour episodes. Uh, there's like six or seven or eight episodes, and it's and it, great cast. Everyone on it's really funny, and so if you're looking for something to uh, to watch while you're sitting around the house then I highly recommend Truth Seekers. 
Uh, and then also, Nick has joined the cast of Why Women Kill with Allison Tolman, who has also been on the podcast, who is also an incredible, incredible actor and, uh, and comedy person as well. So um, Nick Frost has a lot of stuff coming out that you, can, that you can watch. Truth Seekers is available now. It's available right now. So as soon as this podcast is done, you can go watch it. Uh, here's the ID10T podcast number 1102 with Mr. Nick Frost. I'm sorry, I was two minutes late. I was I had a piano lesson right before you, and so just oh, that's me. nice. Yeah, is it good? How long have you been doing it? Um, about uh, let's see, I started in January of 2019. Okay, and I've been doing I've been doing guitar and piano lessons via Zoom and FaceTime. That's uh, that's been a lot of my quarantine time. <laughs> wow, clever clogs. <laughs> well, are you, have you been? Are you? Are you? Have you been shooting during everything, or are you? It was every- uh, bits and pieces. I mean, I start shooting something on Monday. Uh, I, I, I'm, in, I'm in LA right now. Oh, you are! Oh, fantastic, yeah. fantastic. Yeah, I've heard those. Uh, I've heard those transcontinental flights are really eerie because it's like I had a friend who flew to back and forth to the UK a couple of months ago, and she was like, "There were maybe forty people on this whole giant plane." <laughs> yeah. Also, getting through customs and stuff was weird and. I got detained. What? I got detained in LA, and he said that guy was saying to me, "You don't want well, you don't want us in Europe, and we don't want Mr. Trump doesn't want you here." Oh, jeez! And then he said something like, "He says you only get these visas if you're Paul McCartney or Cher," <laughs> which is really weird. <laughs> just these, just those two people. Those are the only two people. That's the, he's only ever seen those two people get this visa. <laughs> so uh how long are you in la for i'm here till april oh wow uh it's the longest i've ever been here so uh after like years of saying i'm oh, no, no way i'll never i'll never live in la for but then you know they've been very good and <laughs> the, the role was great and uh the scripts are great and they, i literally couldn't say no so all my family are coming over in in like a four week that's nice. And this is this you're talking about shooting the season two of how of why women kill. Yeah. Yeah. With Alison Tolman, who is so amazing, by the way. Yeah, she yeah, we've I haven't met her. You know, we're we're doing like scenes together on Monday and she's my wife, so it's gonna be weird. Which I think is gonna work oddly with there being like a weird disconnect between people in the forties where you couldn't really touch them. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, you know, it's like every everything we know about the 40s and 50s from television, it's like everyone had separate beds. Yeah. Like, yeah. Husbands and wives slept in these weird twin beds, which I, was that standard or was that just television? Because it was, they I didn't. Know. It's like that in Sweden and Denmark now. No one has double beds. They all have big single beds. Oh, really? Yeah. Which I think yeah. is great. I love it. <laughs> I know that I'm such an insomniac that I'll wake up a lot of times in the middle of the night and I just shift around a lot. So usually at about like four o'clock in the morning, I'll get up and just go in the other room. So I don't wake my wife up. And she's like, are we, are we establishing separate rooms? I'm like, no, 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 no. I just don't want to wake you up in the middle of the night. Yeah, I'm the same. I'm often up at 3am and I kind of set up a little camp in the front room on the couch. So what what is it that gets you up at 3am? Is it like, is it, ha- is it because we're getting older and we have to pee in the middle of the night? Is it just like you sleep for like four hours and then wake up and that's just your sleep cycle? What is it? Yeah, I'm kind of up then. I'm up and I'm thinking and, but there is, there is like an hour when I go downstairs when I kind of set up the pillows in a kind of nice way and I get like a really amazing hour down there on my own. And then yeah. like my partner comes down with a baby and they wake me up and stuff. <laughs> but you like, had in, in a nice kind of way not, not like in a punished i'm not i don't feel like i'm being punished by being no, but woken you, you gotta up. be but you but you gotta be on you have that hour to yourself that golden hour and then it's like okay now i gotta be on yes yeah exactly 
how how old is the baby? Uh, he's um, I don't. My girl, I can hear my girlfriend saying, "Don't you dare tell him how old she is." He is. So I, I'm just I try to keep him out of the you know. But it's a ba- but it's a baby, basically. It's a baby, yeah. Well, the only reason I'm asking is because we're about to go down this road. Okay. So I'm just I you know I'm just looking for any bits of uh you know, fatherly advice in our, especially so like, make sure, our make sure they don't die. Oh my God. That's great advice. Anything, so anything saying, other than that is gravy. So just spend a majority around a majority of your time, just keeping them alive and safe. That's it. That, okay. That's it, man. Um, I really like it. I've got two kids and I, I love them. I think they're just, I think they're amazing. And they're funny I mean, and cheeky and they fucking eat a lot. And, you know, my I've got a 10-year-old now and it, you get to a point where he's, he said to me, I know both P words, I know both swear words that begin with P. And I went, okay, well, you can say it because we're in the car and it's just us. He said, pussy and piss. <laughs> those are both, the, those That's are the it. only two that I can think of. Well, I keep saying to him, there's, there's two that you get. When you're 18, you get a little letter, and there's two secret ones there that I can't tell you. <laughs> no, I know them all. I know them all. Well, I'm just, I'm, I am wondering about that because, you know, when I was growing up, it's, I couldn't, I wasn't like allowed to swear, but my parents had no content filters in terms of like, you know, I was watching Richard Pryor comedy specials and Eddie Murphy movies, and yeah. you know, like, and 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 they were fine with all of that, but I wonder if like. I wonder if I'll be the kind of parent who's like, yeah, fucking swear. I don't care. Whatever. You know, it's like, you know, you're going to grow up on the internet probably and you're going to see way where, so I have no idea like what my, yeah. or if I'm, something's going to wake up and I'll be like, listen up, mister or missy. You can't <laughs> talk like that. That's, those are, those are off limits words. I don't mind. I don't mind swearing around him a little bit. You know, I think he he knows that they're special, but I'm happy for him to, Every now and again, he can say one in the car, or if he wants to say one, I'm happy for him to just kind of say it, just to get it out of his system, you know. Has has he watched any of your movies yet? Um, I think he started to watch, he watched Paul. My ex-wife and I had a conversation, and it kind of said, hey, you can probably watch Paul, and then we all watched it together, and then, you know, like 20 minutes in, and Kristen Wiig saying, titty twatting bumfire, we were like, oh, maybe... <clears throat> maybe not <laughs> I do think it comes out today and I said he can watch that but I think that's going to really terrify him but I watched The Exorcist when I was 10 so fuck him yeah <laughs> that's what you gotta you put on The Exorcist like shut the fuck up this, yeah. is, this is important yeah well you know like when 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 we were growing up it was uh, obviously there's content now for a- there's any kind of niche, anything. There's like very specific kids programming and there was kids programming when we were growing up, but it was, but again, you know, like I feel like my parents, our parents probably won't let us watch a lot of adult things, Yeah. but then it's like, if you hadn't watched exorcist as a kid, maybe you wouldn't have grown up to be a horror fan. Maybe there wouldn't have been a Shaun of the debt. Like, so yeah, it's like, there's a good argument to be made for like, well, maybe yeah. it's not too bad. You know, look, I think uh, being a dad, I think I'm kind of happier for him to watch Poltergeist than to go onto fucking TikTok and see someone be beheaded. Do you know what I mean? Right. Yeah, right. That's the thing. That's that, That's what I don't want him to see, which is so terrifying now in terms of him being able to go online a little bit, you know, uh, and see, and see, you know, that's what I'd like him to avoid because it's like that that kind of shit you can never unsee. I mean, when I was a kid, if I found like a, a fraction of a porno mag in a bag over a, a piece of wasteland, that to me was fucking exciting and fun. But now it's like, yeah, it's- well, well, I what I don't understand is what was happening in the seventies and eighties, where because I think that like finding a a a porno mag in a bag, like with a bottle of alcohol in a log. Like what? <laughs> <laughs> who was, who was stashing? I mean, that was basically our internet when we were growing up, you know, it was like, Oh, there's this bag in a log. What's this? Oh my gosh. Like who was, were those other like teenage kids who like didn't want to hide it in their bedroom? Was it just some <laughs> weird, like why, why was there so much porn stashed out in nature when we were I growing think- up? I think I'm going to kind of start doing that for my 10-year-old, like the way they 
like the way they feed pandas in the zoo to keep it interesting, where he has to kind of hunt for bits and pieces of it everywhere. I might stop putting it around the place. Well, that is like, you know, not just for that, but like our content when we were growing up, we really had to hunt and peck for. Like, I remember if it hadn't been for MTV in the 80s, I don't, I would not have been exposed to the young ones. I don't think I would have necessarily been exposed to Monty Python, which they ran, you know, like it, but then anything else beyond that, you had to like have a really cool video store in your town or yeah. like, or like a friend who was really into indie stuff that somehow had someone send them a tape from like the UK or something. And now it's just all content is just all accessible now on our devices at all yeah. times. And yeah, and yeah, my old, eldest is just into watching Fortnite videos. Right. Which I kind of like, you know, because it's like, I can sit next to him and I kind of know how games work and he's not sure why I know, but he's kind of happy that, you know, I know how it kind of works. That is really interesting that, that there's a whole type of storytelling that the Gen Zers are really into, which is just watching other people play games. It's just like watching, watching the game unfold in that way, which I guess, I don't know, for me, I'm sort of like... Why would you want to watch someone else play? But obviously there's something to it or every most kids wouldn't be doing it. Yeah, yeah. He plays too, you know. Also, I'm unboxing uh, I'm, I'm videos. I'm, I kind of like that as a, as a notion as well. That's kind of fun to, to watch, you know. Is, it, is that for the voyeuristic experience of like, oh, I can, I'm feeling what that person is feeling unboxing. Like I'm, I'm getting that titillation of surprise or like yeah, yeah. the reveal yeah, watching someone un- unravel, you know, 50 Kinder eggs. Kind of <laughs> trying to get that. I, I like that we're, our, the Gen X generation is the, like, we get to be the, when I was your age, video games were squares, shooting lines, it's square, you fucking kids don't. Know. Have you have you trotted out, like, any Atari games to your kid and been like, here, this is gaming history, it's important for you to watch this this no i just no I, I i get that it's we're different you know what i mean i don't want to be that kind of dad that clings on to in our day you know i kind of like the fact that he can teach me things you know about about shit i know nothing about or, or pretend to know nothing about you know do you still play do you play any video games at all still or I, you... I don't i feel guilty you know, when you got kids, it kind of takes away. I kind of think I could be doing something, you know, I could be being a dad or there's a nappy somewhere with shit in it that needs to be. <laughs> <laughs> or, or, you know, like I think Jack Black has a video game YouTube channel with his kid and they like play, uh-huh. video, they play video games together. Well, I was contacted by a guy uh, like two years ago and he makes... Uh, arcade games you know you can get he gets like you get like 800 games and he he builds you the cabinet you know he said what do you want it to look like and you know i told him well, i want it white and gold with like gold bars and and like players rings and, <laughs> and the, the, the machine's called welcome to the players lounge and you can play like you know 800 games from from back in the day and uh I probably had it set up for three months and played it 10 times. I dropped my kids. We played it a bit and he said, it hurts my eyes. <laughs> uh, and that was it. I never fucking played it again. Yeah. I got a couple of those too, those multi-cades and it's like, I played joust a bunch and then I, I played it like a handful of times. I was like, okay. <laughs> yeah, I'm done. <laughs> I, I, I still buy games for like my Xbox and, PS4 and stuff, and I'll probably get a PS5, although I fucking never use it. But I kind of like the fact I've got a game, you know. I, I watching my kid play like a Grand Theft Auto, not Grand Theft Auto. What's the uh, what's the really uh, Grand Turismo? You know, I love that game. I spent hours just getting the shittest car and then building it up. And but my kid now, which is probably a generational thing, wants to spend a million dollars and buy a Lamborghini straight away that he has no. <laughs> No, no idea how to drive it, you know, and and as a result, it's no fun, you know. Right, right. He crashes. He just exp- he accelerates and just crashes straight away, and then he's bored of it. 
It's like, oh, you miss it. You have to start with the little cars and it teaches you how to drive the big car, you know. <laughs> you, there's a progression. There's a, yeah, yeah. you got to learn. It's got to, no, no, I just want the fucking Lamborghini. I just want to, I just want to pay the money and get the result. Yes, exactly. I do, I do love that our, that our like Gen X indoor kid version of throwing a, a baseball in the backyard is like us playing like Gran Turismo where the kid are like sitting and playing games. <laughs> like that's our, you know, like I'm, I'm not going to be the dad that's going to be like, let's get a baseball glove and go in the yard, you know. But and, oddly, they like that weirdly. When I say to my kid, come on, let's get the rugby ball out. Let's throw the rugby ball. He's like, yeah. Oh, really? Yeah, because I think he just seems to be a, some some big fucking gruff badger that sits around writing and is on telly a bit and makes them all eat ragu I've spent four hours making. But, you know, I'm not like an outside dad. I'm not that guy. I sometimes see, you know, my partner looking at younger dads as they run like idiots across the playground to kind of throw their child in the air. I kind of see her looking jealously at him, thinking, God, I wish he was slightly younger. But it's a different, I'm a different kind of dad, you know. I'm a very kind of cool dad with lots of wisdom. <laughs> and I'm not going to run. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Hey, I don't got to prove nothing. I don't got to oh, run yeah. around to show off like that fucking peacock dad over there. Yeah, I'll let you say piss and pussy. <laughs> what do you want? You want to throw the ball or you want to say swears? You get one or the other. <laughs> yeah, but I, I, I often wonder what I'm going to do if my kid is like super into sports because I just, they just don't register in my brain. And so I I mean, obviously, that will be in the same way that my parents didn't necessarily understand, like, all of the Steve Martin and Monty Python comedy that I was into. They uh, fostered it because they recognized that I loved it. And my version of that will be, if I have a kid who's into sports, I'm going to have to figure out how to be interested in it for them, you yeah. know? Yeah. Uh... They, are they in school? Is it, so is, is there, are you homeschooling right now? Are you... No, the schools are still open. Oh, they they were closed for months and months and months, but they, they've reopened, and I think they're trying to keep them open as long as they can. Uh, but I sense a second uh, shutdown is looming. Perhaps. Yeah, perhaps. And uh, are you going to go back? You're just going to stay out here till April. I have to stay. I have to stay here, yeah, until we wrap. Yeah. When did you guys do Truth Seekers? We shot, uh, what month is it now? October. We shot... <laughs> That's the theme of the October, fucking right? year. What month is it? <laughs> it's October. Yeah, it's almost Halloween. Yeah, we shot like um, October, November, December last year. Oh, that's cool. Oh, oh, so you guys, you guys, you kind of made it in just under the wire. We did, but it kind of, our editing process kind of got shafted slightly and uh, we had to sit on it for a little bit. But yeah, we, we, made, it, we made it just... Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code WONDERY to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Do you ever feel like you're settling? For your foundation, that is. Maybelline's new Instant Age Rewind Eraser Foundation doesn't settle into fine lines and wrinkles. With SPF 20 and moisturizing pro-vitamin B5, this foundation not only provides medium coverage and a natural finish, but also protects and nourishes your skin. And the best part? The blurring sponge tip applicator makes application a breeze. Say goodbye to cakey, uneven foundation and hello to a flawless, radiant complexion. Try our new foundation today and see the difference for yourself at amazon.com slash instant eraser foundation. I always love the, and I feel like it's, 
like the British comedy community feels more like a community to me in the sense that like, you know, y'all go off and do big movies or do big TV series. And it's like, oh, you know what? We're friends. Let's just go make a thing together because it's fun. <laughs> yes, you know? right. Yeah. And so is that, did you and Simon co-write this show? Well, yes. I mean, it was James Serafinovitz and oh, I yeah. kind of co-created it. And then, you know, him and Nat are very close and have been working together for a long time. And we did a show called Sick Note together. <clears throat> Pardon me. And then obviously Simon's part of Stolen Picture, who, who produced the show, and, you know, we wanted to get him. So we all wrote episode one, and then we kind of divvied out the rest of the season. And yeah. then we all came and wrote episode two. And it was... Yeah, I mean, it was a way to hang out. You know, sadly, we had to shoot Simon out in a week because of stuff he's doing. But that worked great because it meant, you know, it was kind of a grueling shoot. So we got him at the end. So he kind of, he brought like a new verb onto the set. You know, he brought a new energy that that I could feed off of. Yeah. Yeah. And are you guys, <clears throat> is, was this just a self-contained one season thing or is it like, is it open-ended? Well, we've open-ended it. I mean, it, it would be, it would be not, I mean, we, part of the kind of deal and getting it into production and stuff was, do you have another season? Is there another is there a three season arc here potentially so i think we got another couple yeah i mean it would be lovely to think we could do it again i'd love to be gus again and samson who plays elton john he's uh he's a lovely lovely young man he's a great actor and he's a good friend and just the chance to sit in our kind of scooby-doo van that we've got in the show and just hang out and chat would be a great it would be a lovely lovely thing to do again how is your pitch process now? Is it is this a show where it's like, look, here's who's involved. Here's kind of generally what it's about. Do you want this or do you not want this? Or do you, it's like, because when I go through like show pitch stuff, I feel like it's so detailed. It's like, they want to know like, here's the season one arc. Here's all the character arcs. Here's where it could go second and third and fourth season. Although things right. don't really go more than three seasons now, yeah. which is not uncommon in the UK, but you know, but uh, is your... Or, are you at that point yet where you can go like, yeah, it's us just buy the show. Well, not, I mean a little bit maybe, but you know, we had a really good idea and we had good characters and, you know, we'd written a couple of good episodes and there was a lot there for them to see. And, uh, you know, I'm, if, if I couldn't pitch a show to save my fucking life, <laughs> I'm just terrible at it. That's not how my brain works. I'd rather write a script and say, here's the script or here is a right breakdown of characters you know that's a kind of think of strength but Nat, Nat and James are great at pitching and you'd go and sit in with them and Nat's just got that like American pitch aesthetic you know what I mean he knows exactly what they're looking for and it's great to watch you know it's something I could learn a lot I could learn a lot from that you know um, but then I think there's there's a thing when we're in the room and they see how into it we are and how into it you know, how much we like each other. And there's a lot of laughter in the meetings, which is always a good thing, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But it, I, you have the type of career that I think is the perfect career because it's like you do, you, you're able to go do other, other people's stuff. And then you're able to bounce back and forth and do stuff with your friends, do stuff that you've written but do you have a preference? Like, would you, so you're, you're going, when you're doing this show, Why Women Kill, you're just, I would imagine you're just an actor on that show, right? Uh, yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll see. I mean, <laughs> uh, I think, yes, definitely, I'm just an actor on this, but I'd like to think as, as you have a voice in terms of saying, hey, what about this? Or, you know, can we But you don't have to shoulder the responsibility of like, no. I mean it in a good way where it's oh like, my God. No, I don't mean just an actor like that's not enough. I just mean like, oh, you don't have to worry about the production. You don't have to worry about the script or or it's just like you just get to focus on your own part. Yes. Look, I mean, I think. I think if you had asked me two years ago, my answer would have been different in terms of I kind of feel like it is my business. You know what I mean? Right. And I, I do have to take it on my shoulders. And I, you know, when I did Into the Badlands, that was that was. I love that show so much, but I, yeah. you know, I took a lot of the burden, the responsibility in terms of 
I'm in Ireland. I'm going to rewrite this little bit. And it doesn't, you know, and that became bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And I fucking loved it. And I loved doing it. But it took a lot out of me, you know, uh, just in terms of that show was more important to me at that point than my family. You know, I was in Ireland and I shot the show and that's what we did. You know, we did rewrites and we shot and we did fighting and, you know, so to come and just do something like Why Women Kill and and just be an actor for hire and to try and keep my fucking nose out of everyone's business is, that's going to be a real challenge for me, you know. But, but you know, I think the older I'm getting, the more I realise, just let it go. That's not, you know, say your business, do your business, do what you got to do and let other people worry about that. You know, that doesn't mean that I don't care as much because I, I care as much as I did, but, you know, I'm not going to read, I'm not going to phone up the AD and say, hey, uh, you got a spelling mistake in your call sheet. <laughs> you know? Well, that's, I think that's also the balance stuff too, where it's like, as you, you know, again, as you start to get a little bit older, you, you only have a finite amount of energy. And then some things it's just like, God, I, I just don't, I think I would rather just lead a balanced, happy life rather than have to stress and micromanage every detail and worry about, you know, is like, I know I'll go work and then that'll be work. And then that'll, I mean, it, I don't know. It, it ultimately the goal is to be happy, right? Like not to chase happiness. Like, Oh, if I do all this work, then I'll be happy. It's like, I don't know. Maybe I should just be, maybe I should just be happy now. Yeah. Yeah. I think I've been really, that's kind of been my life. I'll make, I'll try and make you happy. And then I'll make you, I'll try and make you, I'll solve your problems and then you'll be happy and then I'll be happy. You know what I mean? Right. Um, but it just didn't work. It didn't work like that. So yeah, I've had to have a complete rewire the last couple of years in terms of just going to fucking give it, give it up, give it away. And I'm going to be happy and then you'll be happy because I'm happy, not the other way around, you know? Would you want the kind of sort of crazy production deal where you were churning out shows just as a producer in addition to your own personal career? Or do you feel like, you know, I just kind of like to focus on one thing at a time? Um, I, look, I mean, we've got, we got stolen pictures set up. We've got our own production company now. So there is, there is some of that going on. But, you know, it's not at the cost of my own happiness. You know, we've got to, there's got to be a balance there where, Fortunately, we have got an, I've got an incredible team who just run the company, you know, and then we, I'm still very much part of that, you know, in day-to-day running of it. But there are certain things that I don't need to be part of, you know. Yeah. And, and also, it's all right to not worry about that. Yeah, it's just everything's shifting and changing so oh. much. And it feels like, it feels like there are more opportunities for work because of so many streaming services and so many things, but also kind of less at the moment too, because a lot of these companies are trying to figure out what the fuck they're doing. It's like, I've, I've had pitches where we pitch shows to streaming services and they'd be like, great. You know, we're still like, we still are shifting executives. We kind of don't know. It's like, Oh, well, why did you? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. We've had lots of that, you know, lots of bits of things that we thought were kind of shoe ins and now, everyone's been fired and uh, they've let it go or they've, you know, put it into turnarounds and stuff. But I just think that's part of what's happening. You know, who the fuck knows what's going on? I know, but I do kind of like that content is all becoming indiscernible from each other, you know, where it used to be like television, network, cable, movies, VHS movies, you know, cable. And now it's just like, well, fucking people don't care. And most people are home now anyway, all the time. And content is content. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Does Truth Seekers feel like, how many episodes you guys do? Eight. Does it feel just like an eight hour movie or did it, was there an approach to really make it like a, no, it's like a serialized show or does it, just in the construction of the story arc. No, we made it, you know, I mean, there's a, there is an over, overarching tale, um, which we kind of drop in bits here and there as the show goes on. But there are, you know, I like being an X-Files fan. I fucking love Monsters of the Week. And I think working in this kind of genre, it gives you the chance to have a possessed doll and, you know, spirit transference and, you know, loads of little things that we kind of, really like and enjoy you know as a viewer do you watch a lot of the ghost shows 
Yeah, well, I mean, a little bit. I find, I think, I think there's a skeptic in me that like likes to hate hate it, you know. <laughs> but uh, I'm watching. I'm I've been stuck in this hotel for like a week due to quarantine, and there's a show called like Ancient Aliens. Oh yeah, which I'm what? Oh my god, uh, I've never screamed so much. I might TikTok me watching it, commenting <laughs> on it. I saw I've, a whole thread on Reddit on that show the other day, and it was. I think it was in a, a, like a, a historical, like a history thread, and someone was just ranting like, "There, this is irresponsible. They're just taking piecemeal things and then just connecting them, but then they're just putting it out in the world so people think this is true." And it, you know, it's like this person was their brain was melting. Yeah, so angry about this show. Like, oh well, this we found this marking on this thing, and so that must mean this. It's like, well, that was. A, that's a big leap. That's a big yeah. leap to make. Is it possible ancient aliens made the Egyptian? No, no, it isn't. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> but is it a little? I don't think so. No, I'm pretty <laughs> sure. I'm pretty sure they didn't. I'm pretty sure they didn't. Yeah, it's almost like, you know, watching Stargate as a documentary. Like, no, they didn't. <laughs> there wasn't a pyramid-shaped spacecraft that landed and uh no no that's not a thing Are you saying so tilk is an alien oh jesus christ god well he, he looked like an egyptian i mean there can't be that it's like the line between a show like ancient aliens and doctor who is so close where it's like oh my god doctor who is just like oh everything historical whatever it's just all aliens like basically it would be good aliens. to have him as a talking head and just not mention it <laughs> yeah because my wife loves the ghost shows like she love watches them and i hate watch them and i i am the person off the side like oh come on yes you know especially that, the, you know we watch we watch bits of that and we watch stuff on you know lots of youtube we watched on on leading up to true seekers but you know we would watch like uh, an exorcism from Argentina and like ones from Italy and for the 10 ones that were fucking hilarious there was always one that you think oh hey would that felt a bit weird that made me feel weird in my willy <laughs> it was a little it had a little bit of a shrivel effect like I just kind of yeah. felt like yeah. it was it was retreating it was some, I don't know what it was but it just didn't want to be yes. around just didn't want to be yes. around for this. <laughs> Same feeling I got as an 11-year-old boy watching The Omen. That's just that weird kind of, oh, God, what oh. was that? Oh, yeah, I don't know. That felt weird. That one just felt a little off. Do you watch a lot? Are you, do you watch a lot of horror now, or do you, are you pretty choice? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I try and watch it all, you know, just just for the fun. I watched what? what? Everyone left the office, like, uh, two months ago. Everyone left the office really early, and I had to stay in town so i was there on my own i thought oh you know what i'm gonna watch hereditary yep uh, i just watched it on my own in the office and i had to keep fucking pausing the film to go and look around the office to make sure there wasn't a witch there <laughs> hereditary was one of those ones that we watched the first hour of and we pot we stopped it for like a day because we were just super bummed out because we had heard like oh hereditary it's insane and for the first hour it's just like the most depressing, intense, and beautifully acted yeah. family drama where yeah. it's just like death and crying and screaming and, and you just feel like, you just feel really uncomfortable and someone was like, no, no, you got to watch the, you got to watch the last hour and literally the next scene, that older woman shows up and then everything and we're like, oh, fuck. So it, I, it, I still can't watch, I've never, I can't watch the end of Midsummer. Oh really? Oh, I can't do it. I've watched it. I've watched it about four times. I know Florida, <laughs> you know, and I know Sweden as well. So it's, I it just fucking it just throw it makes me feel like I'm seven. I've got flu. Yeah, it's just yeah. A weird, and that when that old man jumps off the thing, it's like, oh, I can't watch it. I can't watch it. <laughs> it's that lingering uncomfortable. I think. It, I think that. I think the sub term, the subgenre term for now is elevated horror, where it's like insane cinematography beautifully acted and then they it's like an hour and a half of just making you feel uncomfortable because you know something's going on and then like the last 10 minutes like what the fuck you know <laughs> just like a weird it just all ties together shot in the day and there's like lovely meadows everywhere and 
you kind of think, well, not the Swedes. Surely not the Swedes. <laughs> you know, this was set in Russia. I kind of get it. Or, you know, but not Sweden. <laughs> but all the countries kind of have their own, like Sweden has these really great picturesque, you know, br- kind of broad sweeping, gorgeous landscape. And then there's some, it's almost like there's fucking creepy shit in the forest. Yes, and yeah. In Irish horror is like broad sweeping, gorgeous. There's something creepy. There's fucking bog people. There's weird bog witches. You and know, they're drunk. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. But the horror we grew up on, it just, they didn't really waste any time kind of just like getting to it. It was just like, you know, it's just like the opening of Jaws. Someone dies within the first five minutes, you know, like, or, or any of the slasher stuff that we watch. It's like some people start dying right away and then you kind of know what it is. And now it's this kind of like, they're just kind of fucking with your sense of comfort for a while. Yes. That's, that's the, that's the weirdness for me, you know, that, that weird off, something slightly off. I'm, com- I'm going to come down with a cold. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's that feeling of like the day before you get sick. Mm, I just, I don't know. I just, my eyes hurt. My eyes hurt. I taste, it tastes like copper. I don't know. Something's weird. <laughs> I don't know what's going on. <laughs> hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Most weight loss plans are one size fits all. Not taking into account each person's individual needs. Noom takes into account dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs to build a plan that works for you. Everyone's journey is different. So your daily lessons are personalized to you and your goals. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your free trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com. And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for 100 healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. Do you Do you have a preference for the kind of, like, do you... Do you do you like do you want to make that kind of thing or is that just something that you watch and just go well that's it's not really my thing but I get it I appreciate what it is. Well, I wrote, I've written a, I've written a, in lockdown I wrote a horror story which we sold to Orion which I think since the COVID thing like, we've had to turn it around sadly but that that's uh you know that's set on a Swedish on a remote Swedish island and a, a British family come and rent an Airbnb from a guy they shouldn't have rented an Airbnb from. And, you know, the whole fucking island is weird and, and shit, shit starts going down, you know. It's a bit like Cabin Fever meets Midsummer, I'd say. Oh, that's great. Yeah, because as a, I feel like I've wanted to write a horror movie for the longest time. And I feel like because I watch so many things, it's made it difficult. It's made my internal critic really harsh for when I start to write something, I go, oh no, that's like this one movie. Ah, that's just a trope. No, you can't do that. Oh God, really? You know? And so it's, it's very hard for me to sit down and write one because I just feel like I've seen so many, I can never be satisfied with what I come up with. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think, yeah, I'm kind of the same. It's, uh, but again, this comes back to the, what, you know, being able to witness real horrors on, on the internet, you know, what's more frightening than, I, th- I guess if I ever made a horror film, it would be like a three minute compilation of beheadings and like guys opening their tax bill and, uh, you know, people being told their father had cancer and right. just really just that only three minutes. That's all you need. Yeah. That you're just, you're running the spectrum of dread. It's just all of the, just yeah. all of the most dreaded, like, Oh, anything that just makes oh you feel like, Oh God. Oh my God. You're getting a text from your wife and it just says, call me. Oh, my God. Oh, fuck. I get those emails sometimes from people where they just go, I need to talk to you. Are you available to talk? And I get so fucking anxious 
and I've I've not done it, but I almost just want to. When people answer the phone, I'm like, "Why would you send me that email? Would you just yeah. tell me what you want to talk about? Why?" Yes, yeah. Hey, um, it's usually nothing. It's usually just like, "Oh, I was wondering, would um, you know, are you free to? Yeah. Like, why didn't you just ask me if I was free to do something in the email?" I got that. Yeah. Hey, are you are you driving? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, hey, can you pull over a second? Oh, oh, oh no. Uh, yeah, yeah. Hang on. <laughs> And it's almost never anything. And then all of your just all your internal alarm systems yeah. are firing adrenaline through your oh, body. You can't need to pull over for that, you dick. <laughs> <laughs> well, my, one of my dreads in me is coming downstairs and the television's off. That's a that's a childhood thing for me. That that's that's a feeling of dread. If, if the TV's not on, it means someone's dead. Oh, because it's like we have to talk to you. Yeah, the TV's off now. We're just going to yeah. sit in silence and weep. In general, because it, it does feel like we have to talk should just be reserved. Like, we have to talk isn't like, so uh, do you want to go to In-N-Out for dinner? Or we, yeah. It's like, you could have just said, do you want to go to In-N-Out? You know, like, why we have to talk is, like, that. there's weight to that. Like, yeah. only <laughs> yeah. be reserved for the most serious situations, but just not... Don't be a casual, we have to talk person. You have to use those sparingly. Yes. Or put a kiss at the end. Yeah. <laughs> or a winky face. Wait, was the winky face, does that mean ironically something horrible happened? I'm bad. <laughs> <laughs> hope no one died. Call me. Wait, what? Winky face. Wait, what? Did someone die? No, I just was saying I hope no one did. I'm going to pull over. <laughs> What was the pullover conversation about? Was it something stupid? No, someone had died. Oh shit! Okay, well, all right. I've had it. I've had it before, and it wasn't that, you know. Yeah, 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 yeah. But there is real. I think some people do that, and they know what they're doing because they do like when it's not serious, because they know that you're going to call them right away, or yeah. they know that you're going to they're going to have your full attention. Uh, and so, it, to me, sometimes feels feels like a bit of a tactic when it shouldn't be yeah yeah um what else are you uh are you so you finished writing this horror movie yeah are you just taking the break until you start working are you not going to do anything else once you start shooting the show or does your uh, brain... no i mean apart from the company i'm not going to do anything else well i'm going to see what the schedule is like you know it looks kind of cool so far because i'm not in every scene so you know, I think it's going to be not... I've got a swimming pool in the house. I've never had a pool before. It feels amazing. Uh, oh, in, in the actual house you're staying in? Or? In LA, yeah. So I'm going to swim. I haven't been able to swim for like a year because you're not allowed to swim at home. So I'm going to swim and I'm going to hang out and, you know, going to be with my kids and... And we'll see, we'll see. I mean, I've got the, still got the company and stuff to do, but I don't think I'm going to write anything. I think we're going to potentially look for some kind of stories for a season two of True Seekers, should, should the algorithm permit it. <laughs> uh, we're, we're all in service to the algorithm now. Yeah. <laughs> uh, which, there's an odd comfort for me in that. I just think, ah, oh, we'll see what the algorithm says. It's handing it over, you know, it's handing over that fear of, oh, shit, what if... It's just like, well, if the algorithm says, yeah, we'll do it. Yeah, but it reminds me of this old Twilight Zone episode where they, they're they basically, the whole time, they're, they keep talking about, like, some, like, prophet in a cave or, like, a god in a cave or something, and they get into the cave and it's a fucking computer. It's like right. an old right. 60s, like, you know, computovac kind of computer yeah. that's telling... It's like, oh, that kind of happens. You know, that's kind of what we're doing. That's where we are now, yeah. So we don't get to go into a cave. But do you feel like it's, I wonder if the algorithm is really like more of a true meritocracy and then like just an executive picking and choosing shows because well, it's a way of very detailed information. Everyone turned off at this minute. Yeah, I guess it's a way of not get someone not getting their hands dirty if they can get to blame an algorithm. Yeah. It's just someone, it's just Oz sat in a room saying no, yes, no, you know. But it is odd to think that you know, uh, well, Amazon in particular just has more Amazon. Well, actually, all the all the all the digital platforms just have so much data on human behavior patterns. Yes, 
that they know exactly like, well, you know, if we do this in a certain way with a certain, then we'll probably yield this result. Like that is an, that is, that is, that is an eerie amount of information to have about people. Yeah. I guess it's a way of uh, looking into the future, right? Supposedly. Yeah. But uh, it is still funny that they, that you, at the core of it though, it's still like, well, with art, you never know, you know, you think, you know, <laughs> you know, it's like you work on something, you love it, you think it's great, no one watches it. You work on something else, you don't think twice about it, it becomes a big... You just don't yeah. fucking know. You never know. Yeah. Yeah, that's something the algorithm will never be able to get to grips with. But I also think that comedy conditions us to be too result-oriented because we have to... Comedy has a specific result, which is yeah. people laughing, basically. Yeah. People laughing or having a good time. Drama can make people feel a variety of things. But with comedy, it's like, no, it's pretty cut and dry. They either think it's yeah. funny or they don't think it's funny. Yeah, well, I think that's, I think that's a kind of something that's been level, leveled at Truth Seekers in terms of people have found it weird that it's not like, like a sketch comedy. You know, it's like, it's, there are different, you know, I think there are different kinds of comedy. I think this is gentle and, and slightly haunted and, and, you know, it's about people searching for... And coping with loss, you know, and dealing yeah. with loss, you know, it was never going to be a set them up, knock them down kind of thing. And that's a, you know, that's kind of that's frustrating as a as a filmmaker because it's you know you you can't ever you can't change people's expectations of what you should do of what right. they think you should do, you know. Right. Yeah. But I think ultimately that's when you just kind of do what you're driven to do. I mean, but it's one of the reasons why Shaun of the Dead was so great is because there were comedic moments in it, but there were also really in the midst of all this craziness, some really beautiful, true human moments and sad moments too. Like it wasn't, it, you know, I think Sean was one of those movies that, that really started to show like, Oh, a movie can be a bit of everything. It doesn't have to be all slapstick or all this kind of comedy or all this. It can, it can have all of these shades of it. But that's that's people, isn't it? I mean, that's humans, right? Right. Uh, I think that's why that works. I think that's why what we do resonates with people because if, if your characters are human beings, then they, they care, that people care more about them, you know? Yeah. But I also understand that, especially having done like the Cornetto films, that when people hear some of your names together, they go, oh, it's going to be this kind yeah. of thing. Yeah. Yeah, look, I mean... I think I'm just aware that we sh- I should keep moving forward, you know, and yeah. try and, I'd like to think that I haven't made the best thing I'm ever going to make yet. You know, I'd like to not just sit on old victories and think, Hey, let's do that again. Let's try and, you know, it's, and I think in doing, in doing that, maybe you'll disappoint a few people along the way, but I think that way there might be a true longevity in terms of a career, you know, I agree. And you'll also condition people to expect the unexpected from you if you keep doing things that aren't expected. But I think there's all, you're always going to disappoint. You know, it's just like a band that has a really popular first album. And the second album, if they recreate the first album, then people will go, oh, they just redid the first album. And then if they do something totally different, well, why didn't they do more of the first? It's like, I just do what, yeah. make what you want to make, you know? Do, yeah, do what you want to do. That's a, that's a good um, That's a good catchphrase. Have the is there any is there anything kind of noodling in the back of your head when you say like well I haven't made the best thing I'm going to make yet is there a type of a thing that you want to do is there a direction that you think is a is a is a wild departure from everything that you've done so far do you have a specific idea of what that would be I don't know I mean I think this I think why women kill I think there's a real I think I can really do a real job you know if I concentrate and and put a shift in I think I can really do something in this. Yeah. Something completely different, you know. Yeah. I mean, if do you see like the dramatic acting path? Is this an is this a path that you would really wanna pursue or do you want to keep kind of going back and forth? No, a lot. I mean, I love I like comedy. I like you know, I don't I don't see why I, I, I don't see why you can't have both at the same time. That, yeah. that feels that feels nice and real to me, you know. Yeah. I do find that a lot of really great comedy actors make phenomenal dramatic actors because I think 
there is a certain amount of depth with comedy. There's a certain amount of awareness when you're playing comedy and a certain amount of sensitivity to the world and, and your environment that I think is also absolutely necessary to be a, a dramatic actor. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't know. Uh, let's see. I'm just going to try my fucking hardest. And try are, you the type, are you the type of person that goes through, like, will you, will you kind of get a sense of what the script is or do you like, do you go through it t- over and over and over and over and over again and have everything down and then, yeah. you know. Yeah, no, I've been sat in this room for a week just learning dialogue. <clears throat> so it's, um, I think it's just, a, that's just a fear of being underprepared. Right. You know, I think I could have probably knocked off on Wednesday and then spent the last two days enjoying an A&E 48-hour marathon. Uh but I haven't, you know, I've just kept going on and on and on and on and on. I just, I think it's just a fear of not, uh, of fucking up in front of people and not being prepared and, you know. Do you have someone that reads with you or do you just pace around and say everything out loud? I, I, no, I just sit and say it loads of times and I write a lot, write lots of notes and little trigger words. and. But, you know, I think it enables me to be freer when I get on set, you know, just if I know it all, then I can, I can be freer around it and make it seem like it's just the first time I've said it, you know, but that's pretty much with anything. It's like, you have to, you have to know it so well that you can forget it. I can do it badly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I have to say to myself a lot, put it down. It's enough. You've done enough, you know? Yeah. Because you, you, you need to know it, but then be free to, I guess be in the moment or at least have it feel fresh well, to you. Especially with it, you know, the American kind of shape is you'll probably get a lot of changes the day you shoot anyway. So uh, you need to be able to dump it and, and work, work around it, you know. Or you could just be like, Oh gosh, I'm really sorry. I learned it the other way. So can, can oh, we just, can we not do it? Like that? Oh, are you mad? I'm sorry. I can't do this. Oh God. I'm sorry. I'm just, yeah. I just, I just doing a thing with Joss Whedon for, for HBO. And that was, um, you know, I shot a lot of my stuff in October, November last year and then essentially had a year off and then had to come back and, and shoot like big, long scenes of dialogue uh, after not acting for a year it was just terrible. I was so fucking afraid and nervous, you know, but a couple of hours in, you kind of got that feeling. And I said to the other actor I was working with, I, I remember now why I like it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think it's one of those things where it's like, how do you practice that? Especially if you're alone and isolated. What do you, do you do monologues? Like, what are you supposed <laughs> yeah. to, you, do you just put on like outfits? Oh, I have a cape. I'm going to do monologues yeah. in my living room. I don't know. I don't know how you're supposed to practice acting. I'm going to learn a paragraph of a magazine. <laughs> <laughs> how to make the perfect summer stew. You know, I have no, <laughs> I have no idea. I mean, it. It is, it it really is something that you need other people to do. Like you can't. It's just like with stand up. You can't. You need an audience. If there's no audience, how do you? Yeah. Do how do you do that? I don't know. I don't know how you keep that craft going. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so you're home in your LA home. You're gonna swim, even though it's starting to get cold for LA, because you're from the UK and this is not cold. <laughs> Oh, no, no way. It's really, even like in January, I'll still be out there pounding the pool. It will be lovely and warm. Ah, uh, that's nice. That's really nice. Is there anything else you want to promote? Anything else you want to talk about? Is there, I feel like this is like your third or fourth time on the podcast. Yeah, man. No, I'm all good. I mean, if I'm honest, I really need the bathroom. So I'd be, uh, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> I could just move the whole unit in there and we just sit and pray nothing. Haven't emerged. <laughs> um, no, no, I think I'm all good, man. Good. Well, uh, I will let you go use the restroom as as your eyes just start to glaze over, and I, it's like <laughs> something's going on. Uh, I'm gonna have to phone room service to come up and change this uh, dump that I left. You call room service and go. We really need to talk. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, mate. Thanks, Nick Frost. Take care. Bye, bye. Nice bye. to see you. The end. ID 10T scanning complete. Enjoy your burrito. 
Hey, grown-ups! The Cat in the Hat cast is a new podcast from Wondery, perfect for the whole family. Join the Cat in the Hat and your favorite Dr. Seuss characters as they get whisked away on a new adventure every week. Fish dreams of creating his very own polite and quiet podcast. That is, until he gets a surprise visit to his fishbowl podcast studio from the Cat in the Hat himself. And it becomes very clear that the cat has other plans for the podcast. And those plans are the opposite of quiet. Sing along to new favorite songs, try your luck at Titanic tongue twisters, have some fun with wondrous wordplay, and most importantly, bring your family along for all of the adventures in the Cat in the Hat cast. Follow the Cat in the Hat cast on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to the Cat in the Hat cast early and ad-free on Wondery Plus. Join Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Wondery Kids Plus on Apple Podcasts today.